Today on the Atlanta Enquirer podcast, Isaac Trotter, 24-7 Sports, our friend, joins us to talk all about college basketball's transfer portal and what Terrence Shannon brings to Illinois and who Illinois could add next and what they should add next to their roster. A lot of fun with Isaac Trotter, so that will be coming up. Uh, about 30 minutes of college basketball talk. But before we get to that, let's react to some of the things that have happened ever since our last podcast, which was Terrence Shannon committing to the University of Illinois. And boy, there's been a lot of busyness over the, the weekend with the draft happening and also Illinois football adding a commit. But of course, the huge news on Monday uh, is that Illinois has dropped its pursuit of hockey. It's 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 a huge bummer, just an absolute huge bummer because hockey could have been such a brand builder for Illinois, and it had a chance to be a very successful program given that Illinois, the state, produces the fifth most amount of hockey players in the NCAA throughout the country. So there are 66, I believe, in last year from the state of Illinois. And you figure if you can win, you know, some of the better prospects in state, just like basketball or football, that you could have a really good foundation for competing in the Big Ten. Now, it would have taken time, just like it took Penn State a little bit of time, uh, but that's been a, a nice addition to Penn State's program. But the difference with Penn State and Illinois is Penn State had one super donor. The Buffalo Sabres uh, owner donated, I believe it was more than $80 million to start that program, just to green light that program. You have $80 million, you go. Illinois did not have that. And certainly, Illinois was really close. Josh Whitman said a couple years ago, right before the pandemic hit, they were about a month away from green lighting this project. And of course, the world changed with the pandemic. All the uncertainty with that, they put it on pause. And ever since then, as everybody knows, everything costs a lot more, but especially in the construction business, which which my wife and, and my father-in-law work in, certainly costs have skyrocketed. And uh, Josh Whitman said 30% increase in cost for that project, which is expected the facility alone which was supposed to be a joint project with developers, with the community, with Champaign, the town, uh, was supposed to cost more than $100 million two years ago. So something that was in the red zone, as Josh Whitman said a couple years ago, now is, quote unquote, on ice. So that's sad uh, This that this project is not going to happen. But Illinois had to move forward. And you can certainly understand with Josh Whitman, who wanted this badly. I mean, think about him. This would have been... You know, one of his huge legacies as the Illinois athletics director. Not only you know hiring Brad Underwood, which is huge, and if you can get football back on track with Brett Bielma, would be huge. Uh, all the facilities that that have been you know put in place since Josh Whitman has been here, baseball, uh, softball, are getting their indoor facilities, the the track and field and soccer stadium, um, and, and he's going to add another facility here. We'll talk about that here in a second. But if he would add a hockey program during his time. That would have been a landmark addition for Illinois athletics and just a visionary goal for Illinois. Like he's thought about, he's talked about it. He's dreaming big by going hockey. And it was, it was a lot different than Mike Thomas, who, you know, had spent time at the university of Denver, which has a hockey program. And I remember when Penn state added a hockey program, there had always been talk about Illinois and the potential of it. He said, Hey, you got a hundred million dollars. That's what we need. We need a hundred million dollars. And he thought it was, Infeasible for Illinois to do that unless it had a super donor like Penn State. Well, Josh Whitman 
did as much due diligence, spent five years of time and a lot of resources into looking into this project because of the upside of it. And I think because he was trying to do things at Illinois that people didn't think were possible. And unfortunately, the environment changed. And I think Josh Whitman thinks he has a responsibility as the steward of the Illinois athletics program to make sure they don't get out over their skis. Right. And, and if you had committed to this process and been stubborn saying, I got to get this done, I have to get this done. We've put, put so much time and resources into it. And then all of a sudden you get a hockey program, you go take on all that debt and it doesn't work out. And you put your athletic department at financial risk because of all of that. Uh, I, I don't think he could take on that kind of risk. He didn't think that was a good thing for the University of Illinois Athletic Department. And maybe at some point they come and bring this back, but I think he sees what college athletics is and what it might not be and just the instability of the NCAA, of the current collegiate model, of the resources it now takes, of now with the Austin Awards where they can – financially reward good students up to five thousand six thousand dollars that's added expense so they're added costs of of college athletics that that weren't there a couple years ago given all the changes that are happening uh but most importantly the construction costs all these things just made this not viable according to josh whitman so he's really intelligent and I, i think this was as he said a painful decision this had to be painful for him to give up on And I I think for this to happen, I think he's going to need to pursue this again. I think he's going to need to see some stability in college athletics, which we haven't seen. I think he's going to need more revenue in his program, more stability out of the main program, and that's football. Because if you can fill Memorial Stadium or come close to it, because even some good programs aren't filling stadiums these days, but if you can get 50,000-plus continually at Illinois you're making a you have just a such a good foundation financially you know Illinois compared to Iowa the revenue Iowa football brings in of course you put it right back into the program with everything but the revenue that they're not getting because those tickets aren't sold and those concessions aren't sold and all the things that are sold at games you know, we could talk about basketball. Basketball has made really good revenue uh, the last couple of years when, when obviously they've been on the court, 2019-20 and, and 21-22, uh, you know, when fans have been in the stands. It's been great, but there's only a max of what they can do. It's not 60,000 seats, right, and 60,000 people getting concessions. So there's a lot of money being left on the table there. So if those two things, if there's stability with football, if there's stability with the college athletics model, I think – Maybe in 10 years, you look to this again. And Josh Whitman said, never say never, because there certainly was a lot of interest. And there certainly was a lot of excitement about this. But if Josh Whitman is deciding that this, this is too big of a risk to take on, it's, it's not worth our time and resources, we got to put it in other things. I, I think he's earned the credibility of saying, yeah, that's probably the good decision. And, and you hope that maybe you know in 10 years or so, you can look at this again and be like, all right, we set a foundation. We know what this process will take. And maybe if Josh Whitman's still here, that you can you know pick up the pieces and try again. All right, Illinois football also added another commitment. I want to hit quickly on him, Dylan Davis. He's a kid, actually, that Lovey Smith staff, Austin Clark, had recruited as a defensive lineman out of the same high school as Chase and Sidney Brown, St. Stephen's Episcopal, down in Bradenton, Florida. And he actually chose, instead of going to Illinois or Iowa, Iowa State, I mean, uh, two Power 5 offers he had, 
He chose to go to Furman. And I talked to him about it. He said, I, I thought I needed to transition. I think I needed a smaller place to go to. And he said he did have some doubts about himself playing at that level right away. Thought he could eventually get there, but just didn't think it was the best spot for him. So he goes to an FCS school in Furman and decides you know, a couple years in, started a couple games, played against NC State, that he thought it'd be best if, if he looked elsewhere. He also thought... He was playing tackle at Furman where you know he's 6'4", 290. That's a big tackle at that level. Obviously, he's going to play the interior at Illinois, center or guard. And he thinks he can play better there. He didn't want to play tackle anymore. Thought his future as a football player, wherever he can get to, is that center or guard. And uh, Illinois reached out, showed interest right away. They've been looking for some interior help. I think their urgency to get some guy who can play right away went down because Alex Pilstrom they feel better about. I think Jordan Slaughter has a potential to play there right away. And, of course, Josh Kruitz is competing there, but I don't think they want to play a redshirt freshman. And Josh is a little undersized for what they want at center. So it seems like Alex Pilstrom is going to be the starter at center. But now you had even more competition with Dylan Davis, who can play and compete right away, push Zach Barlev, push you know guys like Josh Kruitz, but also he's got three years of eligibility left that you can develop him. And I, I don't know if, if he's going to make an impact right away. I would doubt it, but Illinois certainly feels good enough that they can bring him in. He gives them depth, which they didn't have before this offseason. But now you're starting to feel a lot better about the offensive line than you did just a couple months ago. Because one, Alex Palczewski's back. That's a starter. And he seems like he's going to start at right tackle because he looked a lot healthier during spring ball. Alex Pilstrom has stepped up at center. You feel like you can have a solid piece there at center. Zai Chrysler, if you saw him in the spring game, certainly a lot of talent, a lot of size there. Isaiah Adams came in as expected and looks like he is capable of playing a role right away. And, of course, Julian Pearl has proven himself as a Big Ten piece. Jordan Slaughter looks healthy. They thought he had a chance to start last year. So all of a sudden you had that, you got Kruitz, Barlev, and now Dylan Davis is kind of depth pieces. Josh Geske is a depth piece. And then you're hoping these five freshmen come in and just have a chance to develop for the next year or two. But they feel a lot better about the depth at that position. All right, before we get to Isaac Trotter, three Illini drafted the first time since 2016. They only had three Illini drafted in the NFL draft. Kirby Joseph goes 97th overall to the Detroit Lions. Vidarian Lowe goes in the sixth round to the Minnesota Vikings. And Doug Kramer stays home. Bear down. The Chicago Bears. So the NFC North takes all of the Illini. And I think Kirby Joseph, obviously... Is, is an amazing story. Uh, if you'd have told me a year ago that he, this guy was going to be a top 100 pick, I thought because of what Justin Hardy did that Kirby Joseph might have an outside chance at the NFL because he was a special teams ace, but I, I would not have thought. He would have been an NFL draft pick at this point last year and, and certainly wasn't even top of mind as, a, as competing for a starting safety spot uh, and, and didn't start until the fourth game of the season last year. So an unbelievable story, and I think he's got a chance to play. He's going to play special teams, I think, right away. And uh, they like to play three safeties, just like Illinois. So Kirby is just that ball-hawking safety. Uh, has a chance to, to make an early impact. I think Vidarian Lowe is a, is a depth piece, at least for Minnesota right now. They have two former very high draft picks starting at tackle. But he's got some versatility. He can play guard. I've always thought, you know, most of last year, going into last year, I thought Vidarian Lowe was probably the best NFL prospect of of their upperclassmen, the draft-eligible guys. And uh, he gets drafted, and, and just what a story for him. 
and provide for his family. And he's got to compete for for a spot, of course, and and earn a spot on the practice squad or the, the regular roster. But uh, I, I think he's got a really good chance. And then Doug Kramer, man, like he is so sick of hearing he's undersized. He is, but he's so sick of hearing it, and I get it because he's an all-Big Ten guy. He's proven himself at this level. And for him to get drafted by the hometown team, that's awesome. Of course, yes, he has to compete. He has to compete just to get the, the practice squad or, or the regular roster spot. But the Bears, as we know, need offensive linemen. Sam Mustafer, uh, the last couple of years, has been the starter. They've been looking for upgrades. They signed somebody from the Green Bay Packers to probably be the starter at center. Uh, but Doug Kramer has a lot of Nick Allegretti to him, a lot of Ted Karras. Not quite as big as those guys. Sorry, Doug. I had to say it again. But um, he's he's just a reliable guy and uh, unbelievable reach blocker, can get across people, quick first step, and he's tough as nails and has leadership uh, just oozing out of him. So we wish those guys the best. And, of course, a lot seven other Illini signed free agent deals and will have a chance to, to compete at training camp as well. So it's nice to see Illinois get more guys into the pros. And you certainly hope that will continue. You know, I don't know if there's any first-round pick kind of guys. you got to be freak athletically uh, to be that kind of player, speed, size, all those things. Illinois hasn't had quite those guys here in, in recent years. But I do think there's a lot of guys with a chance to get drafted. Luke Ford's a guy that I thought, you know, if he would have left this year, would have been on an NFL roster today. But he's got to prove himself as a pass catcher. Really good blocker, though. So he's definitely got a good foundation there. Chase and Sidney Brown, great athletes, great production so far. And I think they could be stars this season. So guys that I think certainly could get drafted this year. And, and the Illinois defensive coaches are really high on Sidney Brown this year. Palcheski, if he shows he's healthy, I think has a great chance because he's shown versatility as a tackle and a guard. I think he's a guard at the next level. Uh, but I do think he's got a, a great chance if he can show he's healthy. And two guys that are probably under the radar right now because they're technically redshirt sophomores, but Keith Randolph's in his fourth year. Johnny Newton's in his third year. And both were all Big Ten guys last year that – have some of that those free qualities that you look for. And I say that in a great way, those free qualities. Keith Randolph, long, athletic. Johnny Newton, incredible burst, and has just added a lot of strength in the last couple of years. Julian Pearl, long, athletic, moves well. He's got to add some strength, but I think he's got a foundation to where you think he's maybe got a next-level chance as well. Devin Witherspoon, certainly, an, uh, according to Aaron Henry, has NFL potential, and we've seen him produce as well. So, But the guy I think I'm highest on potentially for next year, uh, I, I'd probably put money on to be the highest draft pick for Illinois, is Isaiah Williams. Because I saw where Wandell Robinson went. And I know you've probably heard me make this comparison before, but I just see so much of Wandale Robinson and Isaiah Williams. The, the way they play, their size, their speed, their quickness, all those different things, how you can use them on the football field. And I think Isaiah Williams has so many of those similarities to Wandale Robinson, who went late second round. I'm not going to say Isaiah Williams is definitely going to be drafted that high, but I just think he could be if he's used well. I thought he was underused last season, despite it being his first year as a wide receiver. Probably was not going to put up you know, the numbers you can't put up this year because he's more accustomed to the position, knowing the intricacies of route running, all those different things. But, you know, Wandale Robinson goes from Nebraska, where I didn't love how he was used, to Kentucky. And Kentucky, you know, uses him extremely well. 103 catches, 1,300 yards, has his breakout, breakout season, even though he was a good player at Nebraska. I think Isaiah Williams could be in for a similar jump. 
where he can be a thousand yard guy. I really do in this offense. They're going to get him the ball early, often, different ways. Use him as a receiver. Use him as a, you know, kind of this all-purpose kind of weapon. Use him on jet sweeps, all these different things. Deep, deep balls. You saw that in the spring game. I, I just think he could be in for a huge year, and the NFL will take notice. All right, it was a busy weekend, so I just want to hit on all those things. But let's get to what you want to get to. That's Isaac Trotter talking college basketball, transfer portal, and the Illini. That's coming up next on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast, and glad to have on our guy, kind of our college basketball go-to, Big Ten basketball go-to now. That's Isaac Trotter, 24-7 sports. How much fun are you having with the transfer portal? Some people aren't having fun, but other people are having a lot of fun. How about you, Trotter? I'll be honest, man. It's it's almost giving the regular season a run for its money. It's like it's so fun to like have verbal commits open on TweetDeck, and you just it's like it never ends. There's a hundred different transfers, and it's so fun to play around with it. It feels a little bit like a video game, right? You're like, oh, well, what would this kid look like on that team, or what would this add? And you can just kind of see all of these different things, and it's really fun. And I think it's really stressful for coaches. I think it's probably really stressful for players. But I will say college basketball right now is at the forefront of a lot of people's minds in the offseason. And that's a really good thing for the sport. And so it it might be frustrating for a lot of people right now, but it's also super fun because you're going to get a lot of interest in it. And a lot of people care right now, which other times it'd be easy to get lost in the NBA playoffs and, and some of the things that are going on right now in the beginning of May. Yeah, I think there's definitely some winners and losers in all of this, right? I think one of the big losers is probably high school prospects, right? Because there are certainly a lot of scholarships open right now, uh, but but everyone wants to kind of keep these open, maybe not take the flyer on a Brandon Lieb, right? Like, or uh, Matisse Vasile. And, and maybe that's a good thing for the coaches that they're not investing in guys that, that might not work out. But I think that's one of the losers. I would imagine the mid-majors are mostly losers here. But if you're at the top of the food chain, that includes in Illinois uh, and, and most of these high major programs, it seems like this is this is probably a good thing for them because – If they have a guy who's not getting playing time or won't get playing time, they generally leave. And then you can probably upgrade in the portal here, Isaac. Yeah, it feels like there's no such thing as a rebuild anymore either. There's just so many retools that you can do. I think that like the thought process of spending two to three years to rebuild a program has to be a little outdated now with the transfer portal with how it's popping you can you can change a team around right away I mean we saw with Iowa State what they did um, but that was a little bit of an outlier too right but they're like you look at Memphis they brought in a lot of transfers sometimes it doesn't work out Texas brought in a ton of transfers like oh man they're a top five team sometimes it doesn't work out but if you get it right and you find the right formula you can be really competitive I think there's a difference between building a team out of the transfer portal that can win a national title and building a team out of the transfer portal that can be really competitive and I think you can do that right now so I think the floor is so much higher because you're getting proven guys and let's be honest there's way more talent than there are spots right now there's some really talented guys that are going to some lower levels like for example Eric Gaines is a kid at LSU who was a jump out of the gym guy like he was in the NCAA tournament against Iowa State he put his head on the rim and blocked this shot in the NCAA tournament and everyone's like oh my god where's he playing right now UAB like that's that's what I'm talking like there's like so much talent and so few spots so I feel like the floor for some of these teams so much higher and you can retool a team in a hurry yeah how and you you've been covering this from a national level um Isaac I'm wondering like 
whose approach to this has, has interested you the most? Whose approach are you like, oh, I don't know what they're doing there? Because Texas, I mean, last year you were talking about it. I mean, I don't know if it's a if it's a failure of what they did last year. They got a six seed. They were relevant, right? They were ranked most of the year. Uh, but a lot of people were expecting them to be a national title. And UNC added a bunch of transfers. It worked out. Some of the transfers themselves didn't work out, but Brady Maddox certainly was a success. Um, so, like, what kind of approach are you seeing that works and what kind of approach are you seeing that doesn't work? Well, the one approach, it's kind of weird. It's like the team that's dominated the transfer portal is Arkansas. And at the same time, I'm looking at it and I'm going, what are you doing? Like, how are these guys, like, hopping on board? Because for me, I'm all about fit and potential and what minutes you could get and that feels like that stuff matters more to me than hey i'm hopping on arkansas because it's really fun to be there and i really like eric musselman and i hey look at how packed their stands are and all these things it feels like they were able to convince a lot of really talented guys to come in and i'm just looking at the numbers crunch and going you guys aren't gonna play because you also brought in three McDonald's All-Americans and six top 100 recruits. It feels like Texas last year, right? Like, they added, like, everybody. It felt like everybody was going to Texas. What was it, six of the top 30 guys? It's like, are you all going to play? Yeah, and so it feels like there's, like, this crunch here where I don't know what the Arkansas staff is saying, but you're probably selling a lot of these guys saying, hey, come on in, our program's great, our our fit is awesome, look at the offense we run and all these great things. And I'm looking at it and going, okay, Jalen Williams is coming back. You have Devontae Davis is coming back. You go, this this roster doesn't look like a roster that's going to have room for 16 guys to come in and play. It just isn't going to work. So that's the interesting thing. The one other thing that I really like is I think the teams that are being patient right now are really impressive because it takes a lot of – like that takes a lot of discipline not to be super aggressive in the transfer portal and go after some really nice names because we're about to get a whole nother wave. And Brad Underwood has talked about that. But I think the teams that are patient right now and looking at this NBA draft and the guys that are going to come out of it could prove to get some really big pieces and have some pieces lined up. So Arkansas might dominate it now. And I love that roster. That's a number one team in the country next year. But it feels like the transfers who are taking their time and finding the spot that maybe isn't the biggest name, but has the best role, best fit, best opportunity, best coaching staff, those are the ones that are going to really succeed. And I think when we look back at that, the hit rate on those will be a little bit better than the ones who just went to the big name and joined a big recruiting class and a big transfer portal class and maybe didn't get to play as much. Well, looky here, Isaac. After getting Terrence Shannon, Illinois is number one currently. This could all change. Uh, but currently in the Big Ten transfer recruiting ranking. So if you go to 24-7, we now separate it recruit, transfer, and you can combine the two. And right now, Illinois is top 10 in all of those categories right now. But Terrence Shannon, obviously a huge addition to add to Dane Danger, the mid-year uh, Baylor post-transfer. Um, but that's a nice start to this class to add on top of the recruits they already added. But what do you think? No matter how they got him, Michigan, if they thought they were getting him or not, Illinois does stay patient. They go after one of their top targets instead of maybe just going down, getting a guy to fill a spot. And they get one of the the top 10 transfers, according to 24-7 Sports. What do you think of that addition and what he adds? Yeah, I think it's a huge one, and I think it really signals the start of something different. You're going to play different defensively. You're going to play different with pace. You're going to play different with tempo. And I think you're starting to see a Brad Underwood roster start to look a little bit more like what he wants. Is Kofi Coburn necessarily a Brad Underwood big man? I don't know, but he tailored his entire system around him. So now I think we're going to be able to see something a little bit different. And at the beginning of the offseason, when Brandon Murray and Terrence Shannon Jr. came in, what was the narrative? Get one of those guys ultimately you got one of those guys no matter how it happened you got him and so that's the most important thing right now and I think you look at this roster and go 
man, they could play some defense next year. Some really, really good defense. And we talk everything about switch everything, and that's such an easy thing to say. Oh, we can switch everything, one through five. Well, that's easier said than done. And I think now you're starting to see the personnel come together where you can put Terrence Shannon Jr. on the best ball handler on the other team, and you can put R.J. Melendez on maybe the best wing on the other team. And you might be able to make, not necessarily hide, but you're going to be able to give Sky Clark and, and Jaden Epps a little bit of a balance where they don't have to go up against some of these elite ball handlers or some of the elite wings and expect to defend and shut them down. You have guys who can do that and they can kind of learn the defense and learn the rotations and learn where to be and what to do on some of the lesser guys or on just shooters or who aren't going to take them off the bounce. So I just, I just feel like this gives this roster so much more versatility and this is a top 25 team. And if they add a couple more right pieces with Terrence Shannon Jr. in the fold, like there's no reason why Illinois can't flirt with being number one in the big 10 at when it's all said and done. What do you think? I mean, obviously Terrence Shannon gives Illinois just a proven player, a roster that needs proven players. Cause Coleman Hawkins is, is, pretty proven uh and we expect him to take a step up we all expect rj melendez to take a, a huge significant uh step up and potentially be a double digit score but he's still got to do it right and we all know sky clark and Jaden Epps can make an immediate impact you're hopeful for dane danger but he's only played nine more college minutes than than sky clark at, at this point right so there's a lot of potential there but terrence shannon comes in and he's immediately the most proven player on this roster does he have another step to him? Like, like, how much can he improve? What more can he add to his game at Illinois? He is such a polished player when he gets in the right spots. Like, when he gets in transition, he's heading down downhill. He's really nasty. And I think he's going to put some, team, some guys on posters this year, and it's going to be really fun. He's really good defensively with the way he locks in. There's different aspects to his game, though, where he can improve. Like the catch and shoot stuff is really good. He's comfortable in the pick and roll, though. I think that that's one thing that, like, we talk about, oh, Jaden Epps and, and Sky Clark are going to have the ball in their hands a lot. But I, I think there's a potential where Terrence Shannon Jr. is also capable to run pick and roll, and you can run some five-out stuff where he can mismatch hunt and find a way to get some advantages. We can go down the list in the Big Ten. Every team in the Big Ten is going to have a defender that you go, I can take him one-on-one. Terrence Shannon Jr. is going to come into Illinois next year and go look at this roster, look at how young it is, look at how unproven it is, and go, I'm the best player on this team. And you need somebody who has that alpha in him. And Terrence Shannon Jr. does not lack that at all. So there's different parts of his game that need to be refined. Like, obviously, you want the mid-range jumper to get a little bit better. You want him to continue to finish at the rim. You want him to take those good shots, not force it. There were times in that last year when you watched Texas Tech play where it's like, I want to be the guy so bad. Like, I just need to take this and make this big shot. He doesn't need to do that at Illinois. But if you can start to help him with those efficiency numbers by taking the right shots, taking the good shots, I think you could see a guy that could compete for being all Big Ten this year and honestly be the best player on this team. Now we'll have to see what the other additions in the transfer portal look like and what this roster looks like in November. But he's going to come in saying, hey, I'm the best player on this team. And honestly, he has a talent to do it too. He just seems like such a seamless fit. Like, if you needed a puzzle piece on the wing, he seems like the exact kind of guy. Big, athletic, can shoot it from three. But he's also not stepping on the toes, I don't think, of of the guards who are coming in because he's not a primary ball handler. And I think he and R.J. Melendez certainly can play together. He played with all those guys at Texas Tech. There were, what, four other R.J. Melendez's at uh, Texas Tech. So that's, that's another part I really, really like about this addition is 
man, you could have a lineup where, where Terrence Shannon and RJ Melendez are the three and four, and you got Coleman at the five or Danger at the five or insert transfer here at the five. Um, and, and then you could have a lineup where Melendez and Shannon are the two and three. And as you talked about, we keep using the word versatility and, and switchability and all those things. He's a key component of all of that. Well, and one other thing, too, that I noticed is, like, if if you've seen teams, sometimes when you get beat by a team, you go, man, their scheme was really good. I'd like to take a little bit of that. And I wonder if in the back of Brad Underwood's mind, he watched Houston and saw what Houston did and said, I kind of like a little bit of that. And so I look at Dane Danger or Coleman Hawkins or insert transfer portal big, whoever that is, you're probably not going to have a defender that can go up against TJD and against Hunter Dickinson and go one-on-one and just, hey, it's just one-on-one. But now at the length that you have, I think Illinois could get back to where they could really blitz those post-ups and force TJD to make tough passes, force Hunter Dickinson to make contested passes. And you're not making them him making him pass those passes over a six-foot Trent Frazier or a six-foot three DeMonte Williams with long arms. You're making him do it over a six-foot six Terrence Shannon Jr. who's blitzing that, or, or Coleman Hawkins is coming over to blitz those, those, those post-ups. So I just feel like this could be a really interesting thing where Illinois could get back to forcing more turnovers and forcing some real hell and havoc on the defensive end, similar to what Houston did, and making your best players turn into passers, not scorers. Make TJD a passer, not a scorer. Make Hunter Dickinson a passer, not a scorer. And that could kind of help this team get into transition more, which is something they didn't get to do a lot of last year. Yeah, I think even if they add a guy in the portal, they're probably not going to have a one-on-one matchup you like against Zach Eady. <laughs> Barely anyone does, or Hunter Dickinson. But, yeah, you could do a lot of other things where you can have huge advantages elsewhere, potentially even on the offensive end at the five as well. All right, so let's talk about what is next. Like, what's the number one thing you would go for in the portal? Is it a guard, a veteran guard, or is it a front court presence? I would prefer a front court presence. And I think the two that stand out right now are Pete Nance and Matthew Meyer. A little bit like Brandon Murray and Tia, um, Terrence Shannon Jr., it doesn't matter one of the two. I think if you get one of those guys, you can kind of fix you know, and implement things a little bit differently. I think if you added Pete Nance, you'd probably be a little bit better defensively because Nance is one of those guys that you could play one-on-one against a uh, Trace Jackson Davis. And then you have Coleman Hawkins like roaming as the roamer to come over and help double or come potentially block shots. Like he's one of your best rim protectors too. So I think if you add Nance, you add a little bit more defensively. If you had Matthew Meyer, that's a guy who's a beast. Like I get some of the shooting percentages were down, but the way he cuts off the basketball, the way he moves when the ball's not in his hands, the way he passes his feel for the game, he's 6'9". He plays like a guard. You could play five out with him. Uh, uh, let's be honest. Zach Eady wants nothing to do with guarding Matthew Meyer on the perimeter. Nothing. Matthew Meyer would look at him like food and start going to work to try to take advantage of that. So I look at both of those two guys as big-time pieces because, you know, some of these ball handlers, like you definitely want R.J. Melendez to take a, a, a step forward as a ball handler. I, I feel pretty confident that Terrence Shannon Jr. is going to be a better ball handler than what some of the moments you had last year. And you definitely don't want to get into a situation where a guy like Demonte Williams has to dribble the ball up last year, right? Like we saw that. I think this year you start to have the depth in that backcourt where you have enough ball handlers. But if you could add one more post presence just to just to make Dane Danger's life a little bit easier and be like, hey, man, you play – 17 minutes really hard and that's all we need from you yeah that's it 
just 17 minutes of all out effort. You don't need to play 27 minutes a night and just adding another Swiss army piece where you could get like really long, really athletic, really versatile, like a Nance and like a Meyer. Those would be really, really ideal fits, but it's not going to be easy because both those two guys are, you know, a lot of people like them for a reason. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. You'd love to add both, right? You'd love to add some kind of veteran presence to the backcourt because when you do need some depth there, I mean, with nine scholarship guys and only three of them guards and none of them with college experience, uh, you would like some depth there. Um, but I think front court is definitely the big piece because, hey, I think Coleman Hawkins is going to be a 25 to 30-minute-a-game guy. Like, I never understood why he would want to leave in the transfer portal despite whoever they could add because he can fit with so many different pieces. But Dane Danger, despite Brad Underwood giving some offseason hype, as he generally does about his additions, I think Dane Danger could be a very good player. He's played nine minutes of college basketball, right? Plus, there's a depth thing. Is If you have an injury in the front court, Brandon Lieb has to play. And Brandon Lieb seems to be working hard, all those things. But I didn't see anything that says he's ready for a huge role on a Big Ten team. So you absolutely need to add a piece that I think has to play 20 to 25 minutes uh, a game. And I think Pete Nance is probably the ideal add, right? When you think of on paper, what what works, right? He's a stretch five. He can hit threes. He's great in the uh, the elbow, the, the pinch post area. But he also can post people up, right? And he and Coleman Hawkins could work really well together. And as you said, I think he's an underrated defender and he's just a proven big 10 commodity that has a potential nba ceiling um so i think he's kind of the ideal on paper ad matthew meyer would be a heck of a lot of fun though wouldn't he <laughs> i mean uh, if you watched him play he's, he's a heck of a heck of an entertaining watch he's really athletic and take people off the bounce and he's unbelievable defensively like i just think you have him hawkins shannon melendez what you could do defensively with that group and, and offensively, I just think you'd be a blast to watch in transition. You got you can really spread it out with all those guys. And I think you'd take better shots this year. Um I think especially with the guards that Illinois will have. But he can he can he can force some things up when, when he goes into isolation ball. But either of those guys would be a, a massive addition. But I think there's got to be a lot of appeal. I don't know why Meyer would leave Baylor. It seems like there, there's a really good thing there, but Pete Nance would make a heck of a lot of sense to go to Illinois. And if Illinois can land Meyer, I mean, either of those guys, I agree with you. If they had one of those guys, I think they're a top five Big Ten team. Agreed. Well, and the thing, there's two points. The thing about Nance, too, I think there's untapped upside here. Because let's remember the guards that he was playing with at Northwestern. Boo -boo uh, check it up. <laughs> all right. we The jokes about Auburn's guards last year were very fair with Jabari Smith. They were even worse with Northwestern. Northwestern guard and Auburn's guards are real similar. Uh, chuck it. I got this. Uh, Boo Booey dribbling up the lane. Uh, Chase Adij did not meet a 17-foot fallaway over multiple defenders that he didn't love. I he wish I had the overconfidence the Northwestern guards had, right? Like you just like I wish I just had that kind of confidence in myself that I'm better than I actually am. It's amazing. It's amazing. And you definitely need a little bit of it. But Pete Nance was their best player and needed shots. And your boy Ryan Young needed shots. And so I, that's where I look at Nance and I go, there's there's something different here. If you could get him in the right scheme with some guards that are really talented where he can be best utilized and he's not necessarily put in some bad situations. There are times last year where, you know, Boo Boo, he's dribbling, dribbling, dribbling. 
pounding in a hundred times a possession and Nance gets the ball with four seconds on the shot clocks, like go to work. And it's like that, that's just not ideal all the time. So I do think that Nance can, can add a different part. The thing too, about Meyer though, if you add one of those two guys, it doesn't matter. One of these two guys, the way that Illinois played last year, especially at the end of the year was a little stagnant post Kofi four out, find a shooter, hit a three. That was kind of what it felt like. And I feel like if you add a, a person or a piece like Meyer or Nance, you have so many different ways that you can play. You can attack in different ways. I think this would be a really transition-heavy team with a lot of athletes. Defensively, you're, you're trapping things. You have the length to be in the passing lanes. You can get aggressive out on the perimeter because you have Coleman Hawkins and Pete Nance who can both protect the rim. Like It just feels like this team could completely change how they play. Maybe it's a different style. Maybe they're not quite as good at the beginning as they mesh the pieces together. But there, there's a, there's an ideal outcome here where it's a better, more upside team at the end of the year with more talent in March. And if that's what you're building for and you yep. need six different game plans to win six different games in the NCAA tournament, that roster looks more like it than what you had last year where it, was like, where it felt like, well, Kofi's going to do his thing and, God, let's hope he makes some threes. And that was your offensive game plan. Yeah, defensively too. You can be more versatile. Though defensively, that was kind of what they hung their hat on at, toward the end of last year. I agree with you. I, I think it's going to be a less consistent team, especially early on. We know that, but you hope it's got a higher upside when it matters the most, right? And you know, I think that's how they want to play moving forward. And and if you can keep adding talent, like they're adding top ten recruiting hall, uh, then then you got a chance to do it here. Uh, last one for you, Isaac, about Illinois, and that's you know we talked about the guards. I think there's two really intriguing guys out there, and Courtney. Ramey of Texas, but I think there's a lot of teams that want a four-year starting guard that's just solid, right? Good catch-and-shooter, great defender. Um, And then Malachi Smith, we saw from Chattanooga, didn't have a greatest efficient night against Illinois, and that's what you'd be concerned about if he does go up a level. I'm shocked he hasn't gone to South Carolina already to follow Lamont Paris there, but a Belleville kid that could make some sense. Uh, That will be interesting to see if they can add somebody like that, knowing Jaden Epps. And, um, you know, obviously Sky Clark are coming along with Sincere Harris, or if they want to, or if they're just going to hand the keys over to the freshman. I think it'd be, even if you just added some mid major guard who wants to prove himself as a rotation guy that can play some defense, maybe catch and shoot, I think that'd be a great addition. Like just, just adding another solid piece, um, even if it's not a Courtney Ramey or a Malachi Smith, though those guys would be pretty good. Yeah, it's one of those situations where I feel like this is where this is where when Brad Underwood talks about culture, this, yeah. that's where it really matters here because you have to be on the right page. You can't bring in a guy like like if like I made the joke about Ramey, like if Ramey comes in, he's gonna look at all of these freshmen and be like, "You guys are gonna play over me." Like I'm an all Big Twelve defender. I played in the best conference in the country last year, and I shut down all these guys. You guys think you're gonna really? Yeah, get I'm, I'm shutting down Okayo Jabi, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, like good luck, right? Like, and so so that's where I'm with you on like. Maybe it's a mid-major piece. Maybe it's a different, you know, like a Rob Finnessy veteran type of guy where he comes in and he knows what his role is and he's okay with playing 15, 16 minutes a game for a really good team. That's the most important thing if you add a backcourt piece. But honestly, if they add a frontcourt piece and a couple other supplementary spots, 
I, I still like the backcourt. I really do. And I, I, there is something there is something beneficial to putting these freshmen in the fire and letting them go to work. Think about how the development we saw from Ayo Desumu as a freshman. It wasn't all fun and games at the beginning of the year. There were times where he got frustrated and he was struggling to find his his fit and his role. But he learned so much, and I don't think that like that jump was unexpected. Like Trent Frazier grew a ton as yeah. a as a player throughout his freshman year because he got to thrown into the fire. So I look at like throwing Jaden Epps into the fire, throwing Sky Clark into the fire. Both those guys have the mentality and the mindset where they're not going to be nervous by those things. I don't think early season struggles make Sky Clark and Jaden Epps go, God, I'm just a, I, I'm a failure. I'm not a good player anymore. They're just not wired like that. So part of me wants to let them go to work because you also have the benefit of Coleman Hawkins, RJ Melendez, Terrence Shannon Jr., and whoever else you add to the piece where Sky Clark doesn't have to be the star. He could just be a really good supplementary piece. And like we've also saw last year, it's easier than ever these days for point guards to come in and start to be really, really solid Big Ten players. Chucky Hepburn came in right away at Wisconsin. And it just, you could tell right away, he's not going to be scared. He's not going to be nervous yeah. at all. So I think that, not saying, I think they're more talented than Chucky Hepburn or have a higher upside than Chucky Hepburn, but that's like the similar type of role that they could potentially have. All right, Isaac, are the other Big Ten teams, who's won the offseason? As you look up and and what they've added, Ohio State's added a really good recruiting class and and some good transfers. We know Michigan's got a good recruiting class coming in, though they're not able to get Terrence Shannon. Uh, we'll see with Amani Bates. Doesn't sound like they're at, that as interested in him, and I, that'd be an odd fit for me. Uh, who else has won the offseason, in your opinion? Yeah, I think Michigan has won the offseason just because Hunter Dickinson is back. Yeah, that's that's. Hundred percent. Like right now, we all like, we all won the off season because Hunter Dickinson is back. He's yeah. the villain we don't deserve, but uh, the villain uh, we need. Right. Hundred percent. And I, I think that he's going to be an All Big Ten player, like all like Player of the Year. Like yeah. I, I would rather have him Player of the Year over, um, you know, if if Trace Jackson Davis returns, I, I, I would rather have Hunter Dickinson over Player as Player of the Year. So I think they're definitely the winner. Jalen Llewellyn coming in from Princeton is a huge win. But the thing is, is it's it's it, it feels like a lot of the teams in the Big Ten have been really safe in the portal so far. Like really, like Indiana's kind of been a little involved, but they haven't done a ton. Uh, Michigan State has not done anything, and I'm kind of worried about that. Purdue has lost a ton of pieces out of their backcourt. Eric Hunter Jr. even grad transferred. So. They, and they were supposed to get Nigel Pack, and now that obviously didn't happen. I, I was going to say, I thought the the biggest whiff so far has to be Purdue not landing that lead guard. You just got a top five pick in there. You got good pieces coming back, right? And you're not able to land that lead guard yet. Well, and so there's still time, though, yes. for June. That's where I'm saying, like, that's that's where it feels like this next month is huge for them because they have such a huge hole there where they desperately need it. You know, I thought Tyrese Hunter from Iowa State would also be an unbelievable fit for Purdue, but it sounds like he's trending towards Kansas. So it feels like they need to find that piece. But another big winner of the offseason is definitely Minnesota. Uh, their their ability to get Dawson Garcia is huge. That's one of the number, I think, number two rated player in Minnesota's recruiting history since 24-7 sports was, in, it was around. So, like, that's, like, one of the best talents they've ever gotten. You look at Dawson Garcia and Jamison Battle next year, you go, man, that's a little kind of a little fun team. We could see what that works. Um, I, I, I don't know if I love Ohio State's offseason yet. Tanner Holden is a nice addition from Wright State. Sean McNeil is a really nice player. We both really liked him at West Virginia last year. Uh, but I still have a lot of questions about that backcourt. And then uh, the other one, too, that I keep thinking about is, is can Indiana find any shooting? 
they have got to find that in the next month because we've have you know i'm having conversations with some people and they have them as a top 20 team and i'm just looking at some of the rosters or some of the lineups that they could play next year with tjd back and i go there's one shooter on the floor and xavier johnson doesn't count right so like it just it, it's an interesting it's an interesting offseason here and i think we're going to learn a whole lot about these teams in the next month iowa has to find a big indiana has to find a shooter and michigan state needs to add somebody because they're just not quite good enough right now to get over the hump even if max christie comes back yeah with, with indiana i mean there's a lot to like there there's talent but it continues to be shooting and playmaking for them right like and i know they got tamar bates going into his second year former top 30 prospect and and the Shifiano kid who's a, who's a five-star prospect but they need those guys to be good uh right away and, you know michigan's gonna be interesting man like if if one or both of houston and, and diabate come back Sorry, Illinois fan. Like, they have to be the preseason favorite. Like, Dickinson is an unbelievable player, even if you don't like him. Uh, and, you know, I was surprised Frankie Collins went to the portal, though. That that one shocked me because I liked what I saw from him late in the season, former top 50 prospect. So they, they basically seem to have traded Collins for Llewellyn, which I don't know if that's that's a win. Yeah, no, that's a little bit weird. That's a little bit weird. I, I was a little caught off guard by it. Some Michigan people weren't that caught off guard by it, but I, I still think that like that might be a little bit of Michigan bias slipping in. Oh no, we definitely didn't need. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's that's not a good lot. Like you don't want to lose a top fifty point guard like that. Uh, so that's an interesting one. The the guy too with that with that Houston Diabate thing. I kind of think Diabate might stay. Part of me thinks that he might stay in the NBA draft, and that might be a really good roll of the dice for some NBA team because he's. He's really talented, and there's so much upside there. Like, I look at what Jaron Jackson Jr. has done sometimes for Memphis this year, and I go, there's no reason why Diabate can't do some of those similar things. That's your guy. I don't know if he, I don't know, I don't know if, I don't know if uh, he could shoot like JJJ did in his, his freshman year. Totally, but there's yeah. there's room for growth on that end with what he can do defensively and the ball handling, all that stuff. So, like, but if Houston comes back, that's a big thing. And Houston and Christie are the two big ones and Diabate. Those are the three big ones. And if two of those three guys come back, that really elevates the Big Ten next year. Because you just need you just need those wings and those 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 pros to to really compete in the NCAA tournament. And all three of those guys have huge, huge upsides. I mean, this is early and this is the last thing before we wrap up, Isaac, but the Big Ten is there for the taking, I think. You know, outside of, I think, Michigan, you know, Indiana could be good. Iowa could be good, but they got to add more in, in the portal and get Chris Murray back, of course. But it looks like a league that, that the top half, there's not going to be much separating them. I, no, I'm with you, man. I, I just, I look at Ohio State has lost so, so much. Uh, you're looking at a team like Michigan State who has lost some decent pieces, but let's be honest, Michigan State has been underwhelming for yeah. the last couple of years. And they don't necessarily have that high-end talent. So if you're Brad Underwood and you're this Illinois coaching staff, you go, okay, we're a piece away and the right development away from potentially being Big Ten champs again. Because, you know, what's the path to get there? RJ Melendez has to take a step forward. No, he's not going to be a top five pick like Jaden Ivey or whatever. But if he has, he needs to take a step forward. But I think if Coleman Hawkins transforms into an all-defensive team type of candidate, maybe Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year, Terrence Shannon Jr. does his thing. You add another piece and the freshmen start to play well. That's a roster that can really compete. Can you beat Michigan? You beat them in the past. You'd have to prove it again. It's a, a whole different personnel. And let's be honest, Kofi Coburn was a really bad matchup for Hunter mm -hmm. Dickinson. So that obviously changes things all the time. But you're giving yourself another bite at the apple because the rest of this roster, the rest of the rosters in the Big Ten are not as athletic as Illinois. Illinois right now, 
is the most most comfortably the most athletic team in the Big Ten next year, and that's, that's new. That hasn't happened in a long time. <laughs> yeah, that's very new. Isaac Trotter, twenty four seven Sports. Thanks for checking in, man. And uh, whenever the next uh, piece falls, we'll, we'll get you back on here, man. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Anytime. Great stuff as always from Isaac Trotter. Check him out at twenty four seven Sports and we will have the latest on Illinois basketball. We do have the latest on Illinois basketball at IlliniInquire.com. Uh, Terrence Shannon Jr. did make it official today. Illinois made it official. He has signed a Big Ten tender of financial aid, so he is officially on board. We got the latest Brad Underwood statement. Uh, Joey Wagner going to talk with Brad Underwood with the rest of the media later today. So we'll have more from Brad Underwood on this offseason, on the Shannon edition. And at IlliniInquire.com right now, I got seven potential transfer fits for Illini basketball break them down what they could add and a little bit of buzz on some of those recruitments as well mike latuop did a great vip film room of what terrence shannon brings to illinois you can check that out at illiniinquire.com we have much more planned on the illinois basketball offseason illinois football offseason and i'm hoping to dive in a little bit more on the illini hockey dream uh fading away here so we'll hopefully have that for you soon thank you for listening to the illini inquire podcast give us a follow a rating review take five ten seconds of your day give us a rating and review that really really helps us out and also go give us a follow on youtube we've been doing some really cool stuff there trevor valise who's joined our team has been putting up some great videos we're trying to add to our video content there just as a supplement we're not pivoting to video I'm not a fan of that, but we like to add uh, to our coverage. So you can check that out at YouTube. Give us a follow. What do they say? Smash that subscribe button. Hit the notifications bell. Uh, That helps us out as well. We appreciate all your support. Until next time, everybody take care of each other. Have a great day. And we will chat to you next time on the Illini Inquirer podcast. 